I'm Audrey Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of the San Francisco Chronicle, and you're listening to Fifth Emission. Today, I welcome back health reporter Erin Alday. She's been reporting on the various scientific models that may give us a glimpse of when we will come out of this pandemic. Governor Newsom on Monday announced that he would reveal the likely scenarios under which California will emerge from shelter-in-place. That's expected later today. That plan will be made, he said, in conjunction with Oregon and Washington. But plenty of unknowns remain about how easily we could see a resurgence of coronavirus in California and elsewhere. Aaron, at least one model uh, that you've reported on is predicting that tomorrow, April 15th, will be the peak of deaths in California. Is that is that good news? Well, I mean, sure, if that model was correct, then that would be that would be great news. That would be the peak and it would be all downhill from there. Um, but that is just one model. Um, and there are a whole lot of models. And to be honest, it's not a model that a lot of the folks I've talked to um, they don't, they're all very polite. They're very nice people. Nobody wants to kind of outright dismiss one model or another, but that's not one that they're especially keen on as far as, um, you know, predicting our futures. Not that any of these are meant to predict our futures, but that's one that they're, you know, they're pretty hesitant about. And, you know, it's notable that this model, um, that it's, it's out of an independent, an independent institution up in, uh, in Seattle. Um, it's very popular, but, it's very different from what um, the state is reporting from even what the Bay Area counties are saying they expect to happen. So, you know, I think it's definitely premature for us to be excited about the potential of peaking um, tomorrow or or Wednesday. I love that idea of scientists being too polite and and not criticizing each other's models. That's like the the ultimate in in dorky science behavior it seems to me. Um but but you say this one is popular is that because it's what we all want to hear? I think it's partly because we want to hear it. It's also to be honest it's it's just it's a very um it's a very appealing, it's a very easy to use model. Um, it's simple. They, they have it kind of arranged on a pleasing website and you can kind of click through it and, you know, uh, look at the different charts and move the graphs around. It's not complicated for just a lay person to look at um, and, and interact with. And, you know, as one of the, uh, the other modelers who was still being very polite called it, he said, it's very seductive, <laughs> um, because it's just, it's, it's so easy. It's so user-friendly. Um, but you know, and most of the models that you see are not like that. They're pretty complicated. You have to really kind of understand, um, how models work. You have to understand some math and statistics to really kind of make sense of them. And they don't, they, they purposefully don't give you, you know, just hard numbers. No, no model would really ever give you a date and a peak number and just leave it at that. They're going to give you ranges. So I think this one just appeals to people because it's kind of, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty right now and people like to have certainty. They like the fact that this gives them a date and it gives them an endpoint and they can kind of wrap their head around that. And they don't like being told over and over again, as I keep telling you, we don't know when this is going to end. We don't know when it's going to peak. We don't know when we're going to be out of shelter in place. You're right. I don't like that. I don't <laughs> think anyone likes it. This 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 model that you're referring to, it actually predicts the overall outbreak to be over like in a few weeks, right? Yeah, I think um, for California, it shows that I'm actually pulling it up right now if I can. I think it shows it kind of tapering off through May and then essentially being like 
gone at some point in in mid to end of May, maybe June. Whereas uh, the the California models that that Gavin Newsom refers to, or the one model that he refers to, um, shows them peaking, shows the state kind of hitting its its maximum. Um, sometime in mid-May, maybe end of May, um, and then kind of tapering off through June or whoever. I mean, it's going to be a long tail for sure. Does, why Why are these models so different? I mean, it, it seems like on one hand, I kind of understand the people who say like, why does this have to be so complicated? You can see the graphs of hospitalizations. It goes up. It's starting to look like it's flatter. We know that these are, you know, sort of look like bell curves from what everybody has told us since the very beginning of the outbreak. Why are all these models so different? So, I mean, it's super geeky, but I think this stuff is is really fascinating. Um, it's They're different because because we're people and people are weird and do weird things. And we all have different behaviors um, based on our, our age, our other demographics, where we live, all kinds of things. So there's there's all different things about us that make us interact differently and in turn make our sort of risk of becoming infected vary. Um, and then you have the variants of a virus. So this virus, you know, there's a lot of things about how long is somebody actually infectious for? Um, how long um, before somebody shows symptoms? And how does that impact, you know, how they go out and, and operate in the world? So if we have like a lot of asymptomatic people, for example, those people are not necessarily being as careful about going out in the world and protecting, you know, others from themselves. And so they're going to be, you know, more likely to spread. But if we don't know how many people are asymptomatic, that's uncertainty in the model. We can't then predict how many of those people are out there spreading and how much of that spread is happening. Um, it's like uncountable variables that go into these models that they're trying to kind of come up with their best guesses. And, you know, some of these modelers get really, really detailed and like they will look at, you know, like census track level, you know, block, you know, city block uh, cultural issues and how people kind of interact and go to bars and how long they stay out and stuff like that. Um, whereas other people do it kind of on a much broader level and maybe won't do quite that level of detail. And one of, you know, the things about this, the study out of Seattle is that that what they and I'm I'm way oversimplifying this and and these these scientists I should say are very highly regarded and very well respected but but the model that they kind of have put out there is essentially what you're talking about where they're just kind of taking a bell curve they're looking at what is the arc of of this the trajectory of of these outbreaks in other places and let's do some math and then apply that to trajectories that we would anticipate to see in the United States and that's that's fine. That's not like a bad way of looking at things, but it doesn't take into account, you know, so many variabilities about, you know, how Americans interact and again, how this virus operates. That's so crazy to me to think that a model can predict or or can take into account what our likely reaction is going to be once the the deaths and the hospitalizations start to to drop. Will we go back into restaurants, even if they're only half full. Is that the kind of things that they're able to take into account with these models? Well, my guess is that those are exactly the kinds of things they're doing right now as they try to, because they're going to be using models to figure out how we come out of shelter in place. So what's right now, you know, these counties and, and, and Governor Newsom's people are looking at models that tell them 
if they take various sort of routes past to um, to releasing us from sheltering in place and, and reopening society, what what are the kind of forecasted the projected outcomes from doing, you know, letting everybody go back to work in summer camps right away versus a staggered thing? What happens if we open up bars and restaurants this week or in a month? Um, you know, all of those things are going to try to factor into these models to let them figure out what is the right path. Uh, but yeah, I mean, think about that. How do you, it's, you, you raise a good point. How do you do that math? You can't really, I mean, you can do your best, um, and come up with projections that give you maybe, you know, an edge in one direction over the other, but you can't, you can't truly forecast anything based on those. Well, I mean, it's, this is a very theoretical conversation that we're getting ourselves into, I fear. But before we started <laughs> recording, we were talking about how, on one hand, I feel like everybody is itching to get outside and see their friends again and start to go back to some semblance of normal, in part because we, we've seen all the reports that seem to indicate that we are flattening the curve or that, that the peak is somewhere near. Would we still be feeling like that if the cases were still going up? And it just it blows my mind to think that you could um, try in a scientific way to put that into a model, too. Yeah, but but they do. I mean, that is definitely something that I'm sure they're thinking about. And and that I mean, that fear factor is real. Um, I'm just working on a story today looking at, you know, tracing how people shelter in place, how obedient they are. Um, and New Yorkers in the study, you can definitely see that they're staying at home more once the case counts really start spiking. And I'm sure that's partly them seeing, you know, that this is a real thing that's happening. Yeah. So d- so does that mean, I, I know you're going to tell me no, but that doesn't mean that according to our, our popular model that says the deaths are peaking on Wednesday, April 15th, that starting Thursday, it's okay to go back to some semblance of normal? Nope. <laughs> um, no, it's definitely going to be a ways after that before we get any, I mean, Honestly, it could be like a year before we get semblance of normal. It's hard to say what normal is going to look like, you know, any time period from now. But but just in terms of, I mean, obviously, the question you're asking is when can we kind of lift up, peel back some of these restrictions and start maybe going back to work or just, you know, seeing our grandparents, you know, just having those kinds of interactions. And, you know, we just it's definitely not going to be Thursday. Um, I I can't put any time on it. I mean, if if the state projections are, you know, holding up or at least if the governor is sticking with his state projections, then I can't imagine they would really be peeling back much until like mid-May. But, um, you know, I was just talking with someone today, the the Bay Area shelter in place orders are now in place until May 3rd. And that sort of is considered like a benchmark date. Let's get to May 3rd and then let's take a look at where we're at and maybe we can start kind of thinking about normal then or at least you know put a date on a calendar and say this is when we're going to start doing this I think that that's that would be really nice yeah I'm speaking with reporter Aaron Alday about the various scientific models that are going into planning for the coronavirus and and indicating when we might be able to leave our shelter in place I want to take a break and come back and talk about what the public health officials are telling you about this uh, right after this.
Aaron, before we went to break, we were talking about trying to get back to normal. Uh, We know the governor today on Tuesday, April 14th, is going to be discussing what a return to quote unquote normal might look like in this state. We've discussed before whether we need to get to zero new infections in order to uh, lift the shelter in place. At the, the first time I asked you that, it was very unclear what we had to what what success was going to look like before this was serious. Do you have any better idea now? What are public health officials saying about when is what is a a comfortable level of new infections? I think we'll have a much better idea of that. I'm hoping we'll have a much better idea of that from Governor Newsom on on Tuesday. Um, so far, the public health folks are still very reluctant to say that, I think partly because they really don't know the answer and partly because they just, you know, I don't know that they want to put that number in people's mind um, because what if we get there and then they hesitate and are like, well, maybe that's not the actual number we want. Um, I will say once upon a time, you know, some some folks I talked to said that we needed to get to zero um, new infections and then like wait two weeks after that. So basically have two solid weeks of no infections before we were ready to reopen, which is what we've seen happen in, in some other countries. Um, increasingly, that's not kind of the message I'm getting. It's more that we need to get it to such a low level that our local public health departments feel like this these these are the numbers that they can contain. So if they're seeing one new case a day or a couple new cases a week or, you know, some level that they feel like, okay, if if this is what we're seeing, we can jump on top of these, we can isolate them, we can keep these things from sparking out into another outbreak. You know, I think that's just going to depend probably on some counties to decide. I'm curious to see you know, if if Governor Newsom, I mean, he's going to re- release sort of a statewide plan or at least talk about reopening the state. I don't know if the counties are going to have some particular say over that. I mean, obviously, the Bay Area went into shelter in place earlier than the state um, and has been somewhat more aggressive um, than the rest of the state with this. So will they be keeping us in it longer than Governor Newsom? Will they be you know, peeling back in a slightly different way. I don't know. I think that that's going to be really interesting to follow. Yeah, because we know this is an issue not only between the counties and the state government, but of course now between the state government and President Trump, who says he gets to decide when everybody goes back in place. But but it's always the people on the ground, the local county public health officials that tell everybody, told everybody to get inside in the first place. So it seems like they would have to have some um, agency in determining whether it was safe to go back. Um, even even if we could get down to only a handful of new cases every week, um, it, it seems like we are still a really long way away from that. I mean, even though we don't have a lot of cases in the San Francisco Bay Area, we've We've been sheltering in place for a month and we're still seeing a lot. So it just seems impossible to me that given given the fact that we've been as sheltered as as anyone in the country and we're still seeing these number of cases, it seems incredible that relief is imminent. Yeah, I mean, it does. It's it's hard to look at these numbers that are still really high and think that that we're going to get there um, in the next two or three or four weeks. But, you know, I follow these numbers very closely and they definitely are starting. I mean, we're definitely on a decrease. So, you know, last week, the total number of cases 
uh, reported for the Bay Area was um, was lower than the week before, which is the first time that that's happened. So that's, you know, that's remarkable. It shows that we are actually seeing things, things turn around. We're still growing. We're still seeing new cases. But we're 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 we are definitely slowing down now, and you know I don't know if it's like I don't think it'll be an exponential slowdown. So it's not like you know, and New York has seen you know things slowing down somewhat dramatically. But um, you know, we're probably not going to see that. It'll be a very slow decline. But but we will get there. Um, I think you know I don't know if that's going to just be kind of a slow and steady thing. If we might see some big drop off at some point when maybe. Everybody who's still out there interacting and and being exposed in some way, they've all kind of the the virus has worked its way through that population. Um, You know, I think that that's that's something we'll just have to see. How much do we know about the models that the state is using right now? I mean, you you mentioned at the top of this podcast that some scientists are, are politely saying, well, there's a couple out there that may be overly simplistic. But the one that the state is using to make decisions, what do we, is this a good one? How do we know if it's good? So um, last week, you know, we had repeatedly been asking the governor's office for uh, details on the state model and they were not giving them, not, you know, saying why, just not providing that. And and all of the modelers that I was talking to, you know, at Stanford and Berkeley and UCSF were were very curious themselves as to what was going into the state's model. Um, a couple of counties had released details um, of their models, uh, Santa Clara County and Sonoma County, about what went into them. And it, and it was interesting to see, you know, the kind of, um, you know, pictures that they were looking at. I will say that the state actually released some details like late this afternoon, uh, Monday afternoon on the state model that I'm eager to take a look at. I haven't had a chance to look at it yet, and I want to kind of share it around with some some disease modelers. I will say, you know, for all that I think transparency is really important, and, and I know that these, these, these modelers who are very good at their jobs really want to look at the state model. And especially because this is driving public policy. It's like we, you know, certainly have a right to know what, what, you know, why they're projecting what they're projecting um, and how that's kind of ruling our lives. But these are, again, super complex. And so I don't know that like, you know, I'm not qualified to look at what goes into the state model and say, okay, well, this looks great or this looks really dumb. Um, But, you know, it would be good to have some some outside objective voices that do know these things to look at it and be able to weigh in and say, well, this is this looks really great and they're doing the best they can. Or, hey, we why aren't they looking at at this or that? Well, I you know, I I think as journalists, we always err on the side of more transparency is better and sunshine is the best disinfectant. Um, On the other hand, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I have some empathy with the state. We've seen so much, um, you know, especially from people who are critical of the shelter in place measures. uh, We've seen so much, so many efforts to try to discredit scientific modeling and to discredit science and discredit doctors and public health officials, that it seems like having an open debate about uh, uh, California's model could just fuel, instead of being a, a, a vigorous and productive public health conversation, it could just fuel the conspiracy theorists who, you know, could could inform people of doing to do things that are actually very unsafe. 
I mean, that's absolutely true. And and certainly the modelers I talked to acknowledge that they were like, there's there there is actually good reason, you know, or or you or understandable reason why these these models are kind of kept secret. Um, and they can also, I mean, they can be absolutely politicized. I mean, if you have one model saying some very conservative response is required and one that says, eh, we're, we'll be fine, you know, you may have a, choose a different model politically, depending on what your, what your end game is. Um, and, and as you pointed out, the fact that California and the Bay Area have been pretty successful in, you know, overall in, in dealing with this outbreak, um, Already, people are starting to say that, well, were we too aggressive? Did we go too far? Um, you know, because we're actually coming in under what our models projected our needs would be. Um, just just last week, you know, Governor Newsom the, the showed that the projection for the state was that we would need about 9,000 or 10,000 hospital beds by last Friday. Um, and in fact, only 3,000 beds were in use, which... It's awesome. I mean, that's fantastic. That's great news that we're doing so well that that only 3,000 people are, are hospitalized uh, for COVID-19 in California. But there are already people that are saying, well, why were these estimates so high? Why are we doing all this surge planning when, you know, we weren't going to need it? And it's one of those things, well, we don't need it because we were sheltering in place. <laughs> and, you know, maybe our models weren't super accurate in terms of predicting or forecasting what we would need. But again, models aren't meant to be crystal balls. They're not meant to make those kinds of forecasts. They're meant to guide decisions. And I think it's hard to argue that the decisions that were made guided us in the right direction in California. I think down the line, there certainly should be conversations about did it go too far? I, I'm hesitant to say that because I don't want to feed into any conspiracy theory. Um, but, you know, this is a the first time we've done anything like this, um, this sort of shelter, widespread shelter in place. And certainly we're going to see conditions like this again. This isn't going to be the last virus we deal with. And we're going to want to think thoughtfully about how we reacted and ask hard questions about, you know, could we have done this better? Um, because it's not like these sort of actions aren't without repercussions um, and really dramatic repercussions. So we obviously do need to be thoughtful and it, it will be appropriate to ask those questions, but you want to be careful about going too far and saying that, you know, we shouldn't have done this at all. Well, absolutely. And, and that second guessing is going to be politicized too. And that's where I would, I, I, I definitely would say the more information we have to paint a bigger picture, the better off we will be when this happens again, not if, but when it happens again. And the final question I have for you, Aaron, is, is, is about the getting to normal and how we maintain a sense of normalcy as we get toward a vaccine. We've said over and over on this podcast that uh, testing is going to be really critical and contact tracing from the public health departments. But this doesn't really seem like it has gotten a lot better to me. I still hear a lot of people saying that they can't get tests that they don't get test results very quickly. We write stories about uh, a test in every pharmacy, but that's not happening yet. So are we going to get to the point where our testing is still not as advanced as, um, as we need it to be when these cases start to come down more precipitously? I think that's to me that's one of the most important questions um right right now uh that and and like you said the contact tracing having the the workforce and the resources to be able to do that really aggressive contact tracing that needs to be done um and both of those the testing and 
to a lesser degree, the the contact tracing were part of why we couldn't keep this thing under control to begin with. Um, you know, arguably, if we'd been able to do a lot more testing back in February, we could have maybe contained this thing before we even got to where we are now. That's what happened in some other countries. But but yeah, you rightfully point out that we're, you know, we're, we're picking up, we're doing better, more people are being tested, but we are so far from the level of testing that we need to really be able to safely open things up and prevent, you know, follow this thing, track this thing so closely that we prevent further outbreaks. So you know, I'm hoping, I'm assuming that the Governor Newsom will address that, you know, tomorrow. That is certainly, I mean, it has to be the number one thing on their mind or one of the, the top things on their mind. Um, it's certainly he's going to ask be asked questions about that. Uh, so I th- it feels like a little bit of a race between, like you said, it's, it's, it's this kind of long drawn out watching these case counts fall, which is great. It's great to see that happen. But is that going to happen at the same time that we see the testing ramp up? And so by the time we get to that kind of safe space, we will be able to have the testing and have everything in place to open things up. And I don't know if those two are going to happen at the same time on the same schedule. Well, we'll wait to see what the governor says at his press conference on on Tuesday, later on today, the air date of this podcast. Aaron, thank you as always for being on today. Thank you for having me. Thank you to Aaron Alday for being with us today. Thanks to King Kaufman and Karen Creighton for producing this episode. And thank you for listening. Fifth Emission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 